Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Hey, welcome to Commando On Demand Insider Edition, your fast-paced weekly update straight from Kim's desk to your ears. I'm Mike James, and today Kim talks with Andrew, who's a magician and illusionist, and you won't believe what he has created to make you invisible to sharks. Well, if you're a diver, that is. Kim talks to him in just a few minutes. Plus, are you exposed? Not that kind of exposed. Are you exposing yourself online? So we're going to go over eight ways that maybe some of your habits are allowing, you know, scammers and spammers and malware and everything else to get into your computer and what you can do to avoid that. Kim also talks to Chelsea. Now, Chelsea is a scientist for Poo Prints, which is the first and largest commercial DNA waste management program. We're going to find out if you can track down that little doggy's present that they leave you in your front yard every once in a while, the same way that detectives track down criminals, real criminals. And exactly how does this work? Also, just over two years ago already, Yahoo admitted that more than 3 billion of their accounts were hacked. Nearly 150 million Americans' personal data was stolen. If you lost your data in that hack, you might have some money coming. Kim talks about that. Plus, going to go home, watch a little TV later on tonight. Is your TV watching you back? Kim has that story. Plus, we've got Commando On Demand trivia this week. Speaking of watching TV, all the new streaming services that are popping up seemingly everywhere. You might be wondering how this all started, which brings us to this week's trivia question. What year was the first live performance streamed on the Internet? Was it 2001, 1993, 1999, or 2008? Again, what was the first performance streamed online? 2001, 93, 99, or 2008? That answer and our first guest, a magician and illusionist, is just ahead on Commando On Demand. Since our founding in 2000, we at the Center for Internet Security have always had one mission. It's to create confidence in the connected world for people, businesses, and governments. As a nonprofit, we do this by drawing upon our core competencies of collaboration and innovation. The world is changing, cyber threats are evolving, and IT resources are limited. All you want is a way to strengthen your cybersecurity programs efficiently and effectively. Let CIS help you with these efforts. We use a consensus-based process involving IT professionals from around the world to develop and maintain security best practices. These resources are proven to defend systems and data against threats, both on-premises and in the cloud. We also strive to help organizations of every size and maturity strengthen their cybersecurity programs. This includes serving U.S. state, local, tribal, and territorial government organizations. At CIS, we're all about making the connected world a safer place. Visit our website to learn more. It's Commando On Demand, where we talk to some of the most influential people in technology, the innovators that shape the future and trailblazers who challenge and inspire us to do amazing things. Our first guest is a magician and illusionist who has come up with an ingenious way to avoid being bitten by sharks. Here's Kim. My next guest is no stranger to making things disappear. He's a master of illusion who's done behind-the-scenes work for big names like David Copperfield, Penn & Teller, and David Blaine. 
And now he's fooling great white sharks. That's right, instead of people. Please help me welcome to the show magician, author, filmmaker, podcast host, and inventor, Andrew Maine. So, Andrew, tell me, invisible or not, why would you want to swim with great white sharks? I mean, I think everybody wants to... To a degree, but you know, in my case, I'm scared of sharks, but my curiosity got the better of me. And I thought it'd be a great challenge as a magician who's used to fooling people. Could I use that to fool a shark or to make it possible for me to get really close to great whites? What is part of the illusion? How did you make yourself disappear in this massive great white shark? So, you know, as humans, we rely on, you know, particular senses, if you know, you're know you going to see a magician perform, probably the biggest sense that's used is sight. And with sharks, you start from thinking about how do sharks process the world? How do they sense the world around them and work backwards from there? So I started the sight and I built a suit, a prototype of a suit that was very dependent upon using technology, using LEDs and stuff to help me blend into the background. But with a great white shark, that's only part of it because great whites, they use their sense of smell. They can actually sense uh, electrical impulses, and they're really attuned to sound. So it wasn't enough that I could blend myself into the background visually. I had to go to great lengths to make sure that I was quiet, too, using a rebreather, which prevented you know the, the sound, the Darth Vader sound right. of a regulator, using sound dampening. I had EMF shielding, all sorts of stuff. So it was just figuring out how do you fool the greatest predator there is. And then how do you get yourself down there and you get the <laughs> nerve to stand there? So we used a submersible, which took us to the bottom, which is a little tiny little craft with propellers. And then I was there with Andy Casagrande, who's one of the greatest shark uh, videographers there is. And he just swings open the door. And before I can test the suit, I have to do a baseline. I have to see what it's like without the suit. It's like your pass fail. The fail in that situation is not very good. <laughs> so he opened up the door. He's like, all right, you're ready to go out. And I'm like, oh, I'm like how, did I, how did I end up in this situation? And so how many sharks were around you at that point? Oh, goodness. So we were in the Isle of Jaws, which there's a, a seal feeding ground. So they have the, the sharks feed on the seals. They go eat them and they swim around. They do laps to burn off the calories or whatever. Um, and there's an island there which is filled with death adders. So don't even bother swimming there. It's just like death everywhere. Just at the at the surface, there were great whites coming up inspecting the boat at one point one of them bit the submersible and oh, like gosh. released a valve and like <laughs> air started leaking out and then we're in four feet into the water and there's just a great white looking at me like what are you doing here idiot and you keep going down there's just sharks everywhere and by the time we got to the bottom i think we counted like 14 or 15 great whites oh. just circling around going what's up so then you in your infinite wisdom <laughs> Decided yes. to then put on the suit? So first what I did is I went outside the submersible without the suit. I had a shield. I had my shark shield, um, which, uh, you know, is more like a, a delightful little chew toy for them if they decided. So I first I went out without the suit. And guess what? Sharks were like, hey, let's go see what this guy's all about. They came up right up next to me. I had to bump them away. And I said, okay. They clearly are interested in me, so let me go back into, <laughs> you know, the uh, the the submersible. We went back up, put on my ghost diver suit. I put this on the full suit. We went back down. We got the lighting right, and it was absolutely spooky because the sharks ignored me. 
the sharks, you know, where they had an interest before they wanted to come up next to me. They wanted to, they're curious. They weren't like when I was down there before, it wasn't like they were ready to eat me because if they wanted to, they would have, but they are very curious. They're like wild dogs in a sense. And so the great whites first came up to me and inspected me. But once the suit was on, it was like, I wasn't there. Oh, really? That's fascinating. It was weird because I could not tell you what was going on in their minds. And, you know, we had no idea what to expect because there was the possibility that once we turned the thing on and I became illuminated and I blended in the background, that to a shark, it may have stood out like a neon sign and they may have decided just come right to me. So, uh, you know, we didn't know what would happen. And but once the thing was on, it was it was they just started to back away and lose interest. Do I think I was totally invisible to them? No, I think that they thought maybe there was something there. But I think that for them, it was like, this is too weird. And they're very risk averse. It's hard to think of that. But a great white survives by making calculations of like, I'll eat that, won't eat that. And I think in my case, they're like, we don't know what that is. We'll just we'll just, we'll just back off. Okay, so now you have this shark repellent technology. Is there now a future product for you where you can take this technology and maybe develop it as a true shark repellent? You know, you had to do more research on these things, you know, in our case, because like, I'll give you an example. So we we built this idea of like, hey, how do you use, you know, light to blend into the background? And we wanted to do a test first where we were going to test it with what looked like uh, a sea turtle because, you know, sharks love to eat turtles, right? They love right. them, right? And we were going to float one on the surface, which was just a really good looking turtle decoy, which they've used before, which sharks just love to come up underneath and breach and just tear apart. And then we had another one where we put a mini version of my suit on it where it was going to blend into the background. The problem was, as we were going to test this at you know the middle of the afternoon where the lighting would have matched the sky, so a shark looking up at this thing would see ideally look nothing. It would look like it was translucent because our lighting from the underneath of the suit would blend in with the sky. By the time we went to go test this thing, it was already dark out, so when oh. we flipped the suit on, it just glowed. And <laughs> guess what the sharks wanted to eat first? <laughs> they went straight towards ghost turtle. Yes. <laughs> and so, you know, what what shark repellent in the best situation could be shark attractant in another situation. Now that you're the ghost diver, what's next? Puppies. I'm going to I'm going to, you know, <laughs> just, just cuddle with cuddly animals next. That's going to be the next. Goal. You are in L.A. and they have puppy parties, so you could be <laughs> at a puppy party. There are a lot of crazy parties out here. Um <laughs> I'll stick with the sharks in some cases. Uh, you know, we're talking to the network about other things, more, you know, other challenges and stuff. And we'll see. It's it's partially it's like you can come up with a great idea. But like in this case, I'm like, I have a great idea. And I'm like thinking theoretically, I didn't really see myself having to do it. OK, well, thank you so much for joining us and for taking the time to tell us all about Ghost Diver. Isn't that guy amazing? And I think I speak for all of us when I say that's truly magical. And stay in the know with everything digitally related and sign up for my free newsletters. It's like Technology 101 delivered right to your inbox. Sign up today over at commando.com with the link right at the top of the homepage. We've got more Commando On Demand for you in just a bit. Up next, are you exposing yourself online? You know, so to speak. Are your bad habits leaving yourself open to malware and criminals and hackers and spam and everything else? We're going to take a close look at some habits that might be leaving you out there. 
Eight Online Bad Habits That Expose You to Viruses on the Internet is next. And we're also going to talk to the scientists for Poo Prints and how they track down the critters who are leaving presents in everybody's front yard. Well, unwanted presents in everybody's front yard. All next on Commando On Demand. It really shouldn't come as a big surprise to learn that tonight when you kick back to watch your big screen TV, it's watching you too. Researchers at Boston's Northeastern University and London's Imperial College looked at every big screen TV available in both the U.S. and Europe, and they found that what you watch, how long, and where is all being collected and sold to advertisers and big tech, like Google, Facebook, Microsoft, Apple, Netflix, even if you don't have a Netflix account. All this data is collected every second from hundreds of millions of televisions, most often LG or Samsung, streaming devices like Roku, Amazon Fire, and Apple TV. So, yes, there truly is no privacy. I'm Kim Commando. Spread the love. Ask your friends and family to get Kim's free newsletters. When they subscribe, you'll get points. The more points you collect, the cooler the prizes you'll receive. Go to commando.com slash ambassador and get started now. Since our founding in 2000, we at the Center for Internet Security have always had one mission. It's to create confidence in the connected world for people, businesses, and governments. As a nonprofit, we do this by drawing upon our core competencies of collaboration and innovation. The world is changing, cyber threats are evolving, and IT resources are limited. All you want is a way to strengthen your cybersecurity programs efficiently and effectively. Let CIS help you with these efforts. We use a consensus-based process involving IT professionals from around the world to develop and maintain security best practices. These resources are proven to defend systems and data against threats, both on-premises and in the cloud. We also strive to help organizations of every size and maturity strengthen their cybersecurity programs. This includes serving U.S. state, local, tribal, and territorial government organizations. At CIS, we're all about making the connected world a safer place. Visit our website to learn more. It's Commando On Demand. We've all been there at one time or another. You open up your computer, your phone, your tablet, whatever it may be, and you realize somebody's hacked in or at least is pretending to be hacked in or even holding your data hostage. And what do you need to do to get your data back, start freaking out? Well, here's a question that you might not ask yourself, but maybe you should. What did you have to do with this hack? Well, here are eight bad online habits that expose you to viruses. Yeah, it might have been your fault. Number one is leaving your gadgets unprotected. Look, antivirus software is the foundation from which all other online safety habits are built. If you've chosen not to bother using antivirus software, it's probably only a matter of time before you encounter some kind of issue. So are you curious as how harmful a computer virus or malware could be to your computer? Well, here's the bottom line. Once infected, your system and data are compromised and can be destroyed in just seconds. The good news, though, is if you have Windows Desktop, you already have one of the best antivirus programs built in, which is called Windows Defender. In addition to scanning your system frequently, it is critical you keep the system updates to ensure your antivirus program is ready to defend against the latest malware. By the way, Microsoft did just come out with a patch 
just days ago, so you'll want to go into your Windows machine and make sure everything is updated as soon as you get a chance. Number two on our list is only relying on antivirus software by itself. Of course, experts work diligently at developing software that protects against viruses. Criminals are always upping their game, though, so this constant cat and mouse race leaves even the best antivirus programs shy of being able to protect your system 100% because no single security solution is perfect. So it's essential that you practice other good online habits, and we've talked about those in other stories. Number three on our list, public Wi-Fi is not your friend. We're all guilty of this bad habit at one point or another. You're on the go and you need to get online, so you quickly connect to a local public Wi-Fi. Unfortunately, taking advantage of free Wi-Fi may cost you big time. As public Wi-Fi networks are unsecured and they're easy to hack, leaving your system and data vulnerable. Since this type of network is open for use by anyone, there is a high risk of exposing your system to malware and having the information you send or receive including your passwords viewed and collected by criminals. Of course, refraining from using public Wi-Fi is highly recommended. However, for those occasions when you do need to access the Internet and are away from a secure wireless network, consider installing and using a virtual private network, VPN, which, again, we've talked about before. It supplies an encrypted connection from your device to a network across a public network, Now, the encryption safeguards against unauthorized persons from accessing your data while it's being transmitted. Of course, our sponsor, ExpressVPN, is very good, it's very fast, and it's who we recommend. Number four on our list, never ignore updates. If you are a procrastinator and notorious for rescheduling software updates endlessly, if you have to hit the Remind Me Later button all the time, you're asking for trouble as the habit prevents your system or individual applications from getting the latest tools and security patches that are needed to fight off attackers and viruses. While you may consider updating as inconvenient and time-consuming, you can actually schedule it to process during periods you're not using your computer, middle of night, for example. Most operating systems update certain security patches that help keep your device safe, so it's always a good idea to stay updated. All right, number five on the list, you knew we were coming to this. Emails from unknown senders could cost you. More than half of all email is spam. These unsolicited and unwanted pieces of junk find their way into every inbox as hackers have become very adept at crafting legitimate-looking emails, so much so that your email program can't always detect that it's spam. So to protect yourself from becoming a victim of a phishing scheme or infecting your computer with malware, ransomware, or other threats, never click on an attachment or document inside an email unless you've verified the sender is legitimate and you know who it is. Number six on our list, reusing passwords. The habit may be hard to break, but it is necessary. Sure, it's easy to come up with a password that you can remember and use it over and over again for every application or website. However, this practice can have severe consequences. With very little effort using this method, of course, a criminal can decode your password and gain access to other accounts. Not only does this scenario leave your system vulnerable to malware, but it also exposes your information to attackers. So, one resolution is to implement two-factor authentication, or 2FA, 
which requires you to enter another form of identification before you're permitted to access your account. Typical types of authentication include passcodes, passphrases, and biometrics. Another method to increase security is to create unique passwords for every account. And to help you remember your variety of new minted passwords, try making a list or a spreadsheet to store them or use a password manager like RoboForm. Number seven, forgetting to clean up your old online accounts. It's common to have a ton of online accounts. Unfortunately, over time, you may forget about a few here and there and leave your password, you know, out there in the abyss, ready for somebody to come along and take it. To prevent your information from being compromised, just jot down all the accounts you have created and routinely go through and delete those that you'll no longer utilize. When the inevitable data breach does happen, you'll be glad that you erase those old accounts. And finally, number eight on our list is not reading the terms and conditions of each app. Just like everyone else on the planet, you skip right through the terms of use or end user license agreement. Uh, when installing software or an app, the problem with this habit is that companies collect data from installed products and your usage. So sadly, because you didn't bother with the fine print, an unknown amount of your information has been collected and stored in an unsecured database waiting to be breached. Now, read or inquire about a company's data collecting policies before installing any software app. By no means does this list cover all the measures that you can take to help ensure the security of your system and data. However, changing even a few bad habits into good protective routines will go a long way in the battle against viruses and other cybercrime. And coming up next on Commando On Demand, how do you track down that dog who's leaving little presents in your front yard? Or even better yet, how do you track down the owner because it truly is their fault? Kim talks to a scientist for poop prints next on Commando On Demand. Just over two years ago, Yahoo admitted that more than 3 billion accounts were hacked. Nearly 150 million Americans' personal data was stolen. It was probably the largest and most damaging data breach ever. A class action lawsuit was filed against both Yahoo and its then owner Verizon, and you may be entitled to monetary damages. Yahoo has received preliminary approval to pay out almost $118 million to settle the lawsuits. If you had a Yahoo account between 2012 and 2016, you're most likely eligible to receive $100 in compensation, or you could get free credit monitoring. But if your damages were costly and you can prove it, you could get up to $25,000. The deadline to file is July 20th of next year. Go to yahoodatabreachsettlement.com. Want tech DIY videos from people you trust? Go on over to the Kim Commando YouTube channel and you'll see why Kim's America's top digital expert. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a video. Just go to youtube.com slash Kim Commando Show. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. It's Commando On Demand. We still have our trivia answer just ahead. Did you make your guess of when was the first live performance streamed online? Was it 2001, 93, 99, or 2008? That's ahead. 
And right now, it's our conversation with the scientist for Poo Prints, the first and largest commercial DNA waste management program, and one of their scientists. Here's Kim. It just drives me crazy, right? When you see somebody walking their dog, the dog squats down, and then they just keep on walking like nothing ever happened. Or how about when you're out and about and you step on dog poop? I know what you're thinking. What the heck does this have to do with technology? It sure does. There's a company that uses DNA to track down the offending party. And joining me on the show today is Chesley Winfrey. She's the senior scientist at Poo Prints, a company dedicated to making sure dog owners, well, they do the right thing. Hey, Chesley, thank you so much for being here. Now, we all know about DNA kits for human beings, but how did Poo Prints come about? Poo Prints came about um, as Biopet has always been an animal genetics company, and we were researching new products to try to launch. We came across some research out of Europe um, that was they were attempting to pull DNA off of feces. Um, and at the same time, our senior scientist um, at that time lived in an apartment complex. She had a she noticed a serious problem where she was. Um, so we paired the two ideas. The goals with Poo Prints was to um, increase pet access and to mitigate the number one problem that was coming out of research, market research everywhere, Um, increase the responsible pet ownership, and then to mitigate the impact of dog waste on the environment. So let's talk about how Poo Prints works. Okay, so Poo Prints, you go out and you're going to get the DNA from all the dog owners in a community, right? So the owners have to obviously agree to this. And so is your first call to like a homeowners association saying, do you have a dog poop problem? (laughs) It's very similar to that. So when this launched uh, approximately 10 years ago, it coincided with um, an industry boom in multifamily housing. So that meant more families moving into, um, you know, smaller areas and they were bringing their pets with them. It took us years of broaching this subject of we can pull DNA from poop. We can solve your, you know, the number one problem that you have in your community with your pets. Your number one problem is actually your number two problem, right? That's exactly right. (laughs) All right. So, so you go to the homeowners association and you obviously you get all the owners involved, right? The dog owners involved. Okay. And who pays for this? Does the HOA pay for it? Yeah. Um, so in, in our biggest uh, customer base is the um, apartment complexes and also um, condos with HOAs. Usually they pass that on into the pet fee for the initial registration. So with the HOA, so the HOA police is out there, right? Okay. Yes. They spot poop. Now they scoop it up, they put it in a bag and they send it off to you guys? That's correct. We have collection bottles for them that have a liquid stabilizer so that they don't have to send it overnight or on ice. Um, So that was a huge part of the the R&D there um, with the logistics of shipping it. But that's correct. They find it, they put it in our collection of ice, and they ship it to us. And then how long does it take for you to say who the perpetrator is? We have a two-week turnaround, so we can typically sometimes get it done before that, but we make sure um, to return that result within two weeks. Okay, so what if a pet owner comes back to you and they say, you know what, I know my dog. We weren't even in that area at that during that time. We were, fact, we were out of the country. Okay. So how accurate is the DNA? 
Um, so we report just like the FBI reports um, for their stringency of matches. We report the random match probability um, within the population. And what we do offer, if they ever come back and they want to dispute it, we will offer a DNA verification test um, that just will kind of prove um, and make sure that we have the correct DNA on file for their dog in the in the known dog database, which is actually um, but, you know which is actually all pretty amazing. So so how many properties are now using poop prints? And um, we are in all fifty states. Um, we have properties in uh, the UK um, around London, and so um, our um, distribution is you know going worldwide with this. So poop prints is now four thousand properties, right? In mm-hmm. five different countries, you have 300,000 dogs in your database. Yes. What's next? Um, we plan to, you know, to try to offer some more benefits to the pet owner. Um, we want them to understand that this is, you know, this is really not um, as a big brother or police. We are a dog-loving company. And so what we've been able to do with the dog registrations in, a, in addition to the poo prints is to use those as kind of a canine CODIS. Um, also, you know, we, we believe that it may be very possible that dog DNA is used um, as a form of identification that goes hand in hand with the microchipping um, in the near future. We've, we've been able to do forensic cases and um, lost and found and reunite um, stolen dogs with dog owners just based on their profile being on file with us in our database. Well, I'll tell you, it's very cool because, I mean, I, until I ran across your company, I never thought that there would be a solution for the number two problem that we all face <laughs> in these communities. It's like, hey, no big deal. It's like, okay, that's yes. why you carry a poop bag on exactly. your leash. Okay. Hey, Chesley, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. Really amazing stuff that you all are doing. And you see, this technology is pretty, are you ready for it? Doggone innovative. And you see, folks, this is just a reminder of how tech is constantly innovating. And that's why you need to get our free Commando app. Stay up to date on everything digital. Get the latest in tech, scams, security alerts, and so much more. It's free for Android at the Google Play Store or at the App Store for iOS. Just search for my last name, Commando. It's Commando On Demand, and finally, it's time to answer the trivia question. Every week, we present you with a question about the history of technology. And, of course, I trust that you haven't Googled this answer. Trivia question this week is, what year was the first live performance streamed online? Was it 2001, 1993, 1999, or 2008? Well, the answer is 1993, believe it or not. The performance was by a band called Severe Tire Damage and was performed at the Xerox Park in Silicon Valley, California. Well, of course it was. At the time, the Internet was still in its infancy, and the performance was said to have used approximately, listen to this, half the entire bandwidth of the Internet. Even with this, they were only able to stream a 152 by 76 pixel video that was updated 8 to 12 times per second and an audio quality which was said to be, at best, a bad telephone connection. So there you have it, the very first live stream performance in 1993. Thank you so much for listening to Commando On Demand. Hey, you want to get these every week automatically, just hit that subscribe button wherever it may be on whatever device you're listening to. And here's Kim with some final thoughts. We're all doing the smartphone hunch. You know what I'm talking about, looking down, holding our phone and staring right into the screen. Far too many times we do the smartphone hunch when we're spending time with people we love. We'd rather scroll through Instagram, Twitter, or Snapchat than 
have an actual real conversation. U.S. photographer Eric Pixergill created a series of photographs that shows just how ridiculous we all look. In each portrait, people of all ages were asked to strike a pose, but without their phone. When you look at the photos, it really drives the point home. While this tech is supposed to connect us with other people, it really does quite the opposite. We are completely disconnected from what's going on around us, and most importantly, the people. We're totally sucked into a screen that promotes and suggests the real life we have just isn't enough. So the next time you find yourself doing the smartphone hunch, do the smartphone punch. Put the phone away. Turn it off. Sitting on your deathbed, I guarantee you that you're not going to say, dang, I wish I spent more time on my phone. You can live the best digital life, and I'm here to help. Find your local radio station that broadcasts my show, along with more DIY how-tos and tips, videos, free news alerts delivered from me to your email address, along with the Commando community, where you can blog and ask your tech questions on our website. That's commando.com, and I'll see you right here next week. 